good evening. Let's stand this evening. Let's worship the Lord this evening. We're going to sing uh, some older songs to you today, but we've been talking uh, over the last couple weeks about being thankful and the light of the world, and we've been singing about that. And so this tonight, we're going to just sing an old song that we've taught our kids for many years, but uh, we're just going to let it be our anthem of praise tonight that we're going to let in this world that we're living in shine our lights for Jesus today. So let's worship the Lord tonight. Will this little light of mine I'm gonna let it Father, we do thank you for this opportunity to come before you in prayer, Lord, and worship you. We pray that you will be with us tonight and help us to hear the word that you would have us to hear that we can use in our lives and bring people closer to your kingdom. Be with us and touch us, Lord, and help us to do as you'd have us to do, for we ask all of this in Jesus' holy, precious name. Amen. Amen. Let's remain standing. Sing us old.
softly, you are worthy of it all. Lord, you are worthy of it all. For from you are all things, and to you are all things. You deserve glory. You are worthy of it all.
faces as soon as they walked in. The first question you had was, were they going to sing? I know that's what you were thinking. I read it on my mom and dad's face. Uh, don't call on us. We don't want to sing. Uh, but so, uh, but he's always famous for putting me on the spot when I worked for him. So we'll return the favor tonight. So he can, I'm going to have him and my mom to come and let them sing uh, something uh, if they can remember the words. You know, they're getting older. They don't remember all their words like they used to. And, uh, but he was always famous when back at our home church, whether it was at Ridgeville or at Columbia Road, uh, he would just pull a song out or do something, and he'd just look over there and he'd say, just follow me and tell me a key and just go. So uh, so I figured he could do it again. So uh, I'm going to let him come. We'll give him uh, the green mic there and uh, the blue one, if we don't mind, if it's up there. Make sure that, or yeah, that's fine. Just the yellow one will work. It doesn't matter. Uh, and that's uh, uh, up to you. I was going to ask him to preach, but he did a funeral, so I kind of felt bad asking him to do double overtime today. So uh, I'll let him off the hook this time. I figured if he preached this morning, he could just use the same one, right? We didn't hear it. We didn't hear it. So, uh, but, uh, but uh, we'll let him choose. So good luck.
They don't do too bad for old people, do they? They do pretty good. Pretty impressed. That's right. They don't do, do, they, uh, they don't do too bad for that. Um, you know, they always say the older you get, but I mean, for 60, he does pretty good for 60. I'm pretty impressed at that. But, uh, no, uh, it's been a uh, busy day for all of us today. Uh, we have, um, they uh, had a uh, Thanksgiving, I guess you'd say Thanksgiving church feast. I'm not sure how you would call it, but uh, uh, they had church this morning and then had a, a dinner on the grounds for a celebration of Thanksgiving with their church folks, and we all had to get, Brianna was coming from her church, and we met, she and I caught up at Firehouse today at 1.30 to eat a fast sub to get home, to get changed, to go to a funeral, for them to get from Orangeburg to down here to get to a funeral, for all of us to be involved with the homegoing service um, of, a, of a sweet lady who uh, was a part of our church, uh, my parents' church at Ridgeville uh, years ago. And uh, and uh, 71 years young, uh, passed away, and uh, and so uh, we were there, and it was getting like five o'clock, and I was like, all right, I, I love the fellowship, but I got to go to work, like I got to go, and uh, and so we were booking it over here, and um, and they uh, came in shortly after we uh, got here or whatever, but everybody's been on the road today, so it's been a busy day uh, for everyone involved, um, but uh, but you know, uh, as I said this morning when we were praying for uh, Brother Barnes and Sister. Frierson and others, you know, but we still have a lot to be thankful for. I mean, I know today we prayed for unclogging of ears and equilibriums and vertigos and yes, absolutely. I'm sorry. So, I uh, I tell you, God's good, y'all. I mean, I I just don't know what else to say. God's good, and um, you know, and I believe with all my heart, Brother Barnes is gonna call me tomorrow and say, Pastor, I was able to walk to the mailbox and didn't even stumble. And, uh, and uh, I believe that. And, um, but, uh, you know, uh, I was thinking there, standing out there at that graveside today and watching uh, um, husbands have to lay their wives to rest and the sadness of children's faces. You know, not that I am discrediting vertigo. I know people that have had it before. Not that I'm discrediting people that have sinuses and clogged up, you know, whatever you want to call it. But, you know, the alternative could be worse. Now, you say, well, wait, wait a minute, Pastor. You know, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That is true. But for your families, it could be worse not having you around this year for the holidays. It could be hard. There's going to be Thanksgiving dinners that people are going to sit at this year. That There's going to be an empty seat at the table. But, you know, as I said this morning when we were talking about missing seats at the table, but as long as they made sure they made res- they made reservations at the right seat at the table of heaven, when they made sure their reservation was right on that seat, you can go. I tell you this morning, you can miss a seat here at the table of sin and the table of the world, but you better make sure you got reservations at that banquet table. You better make sure you got a place card on the table in heaven. And uh, and uh, but I am so glad that even this Thanksgiving season, and, and while we're talking about those joining online, thank you for, for uh, joining us. Don't forget um, all of our stuff's online, Central Service COG, the, the podcast, things like that. Please don't forget our kids' Christmas party, December the 11th, uh, one, 11 to 1. Uh, Sister Sandy and Sister Jeannie are working tirelessly for that. Don't forget the church hangout Christmas party. You can drop in. You can stay as long as you want. Don't worry. Brother Randy will have coffee. We'll make sure you have coffee. I promise. Or hot chocolate. I got a lot of that left over. Or apple cider. I got plenty of that left. We can have anything you want that day. We're going to have a fish fry, food, fellowship. We need you to bring stuff. We got the fish fries and all that stuff taken care of. But, you know, we're going to need, you know, other just fingery foods, chicken wings and things like that. Or 
chips and dips and things like that. We're just going to be a, just a fellowship time. If you want to play the Chinese Christmas, please bring the gift already wrapped, gift bag or wrapped, and uh, we'll play that together. It doesn't have to be elaborate. Just remember, do not eat the chocolate off the peanuts. You make sure they come like they came. And, uh, and so uh, join us for that as well. Um, don't forget, next Sunday we'll finish our last of the installment series, The Table. Uh, for those that are joining online, if you haven't been following in the first week, we talked about uh, that, that we are um, at a table of preparation. And then we talked about the psalmist David said, the Lord is our shepherd, but he prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. And we, st- we talked about it's all about preparation and how God can have us sitting at the table of our enemies. But what the enemy means for evil, God can turn around for good. Last week we talked about uh, Martha and the story of, of her serving Jesus. And we talked about that that's a table of provision. And we talked about that, it, that when you come to God's table, it's, it's about the, the fee, you know, there's work to be done. It's great to have worshipers, but there's also people that are working and they get tired. But, but God always provides a table. And then for those that joined us this morning, if you didn't join us, go back and stream it. Uh, that we talked about David and he was sitting at Saul's table, but then he realized there was some animosity and he left and hid in the field. And when Saul came to his table, he asked where David was at. David's uh, Jonathan said he's, he went to take care of a family matter and Saul got so mad and we talked this morning about the missing seats at the table and I reminded us as a body that it's okay to miss seats there's okay to have missing seats at the table of sin and missing seats at the table of self and missing seats at the table of the world but you better make sure you don't miss your seat up there you better have reservations at that table because the guest of honor is not kings of down here he's king of kings and lord of lords you better make sure when he sits down at his table and he says where are you you better make sure you know you got a seat at the table at that banquet hall and so uh, and we'll finish up next week the last part of the series talking about that also God and I, I don't want to preach the whole message but next week we're going to talk about that God also will give us a table of peace even when we don't realize it not only does he give us a table of provision and a table of preparation and a table of protection but next week we'll talk about but God will let you sometimes in the middle of chaos sit down at a table of peace and when all the world can be going chaotic but you can sit in perfect peace with the Lord in the middle of the storm. The storms can be raging, but you can sleep at the bow of a boat. You can sleep through the storm because God lets you sit at tables of peace. And we're going to talk about that next week. And uh, if you uh, are joining us next week, we're going to be talking about a guy by the name of Joseph. The Bible said that he brought his brothers back in and he set them down at a table after he had put his his royal cup into their sacks and he kept giving them food after food and he sent them back and they came back and the Bible said he couldn't hold it any longer. He had to make things right with his brothers and he took his royal regalia off and he cried with all of the Egyptian makeup that he was wearing and he said, I am Joseph and what you meant for evil, God sent me ahead of you to turn around for good and the Bible reconciled that family. He brought his daddy home, he brought his brothers home and one act of extending that shalom, that peace of God and saying, hey, I'm, I'm not mad at you and that one act brought an entire family in disarray back to a table of peace. God can make your enemies sit down with you. The lion lay down with the lamb and we can all sit at a table together, spiritually speaking, and be at peace one with another. How pleasant it is for the brethren to be at peace and unity together. And so you're not going to want to miss next week as we finish up the series, The Table. And then we'll be in Christmas season. This year we're going to have a lot of fun. I'm super excited about Christmas this year. We're going to be doing a sermon series called The Characters of Christmas. And we're going to talk about all the different people and how their version of Christmas might have looked different than someone else's version of Christmas. And uh, just for all of you guys today that 
just needed a, an encouragement from the Lord uh, today. Uh, I, I have enjoyed uh, my day. It's been a, a very busy day, uh, to say the least. But um, I just want to remind you that he's going to have to wait his turn. I just want you, this is my favorite thing of all time. Uh, if anybody wants to buy me this inflatable for Christmas, I would love to have this for my yard. You guys know how I am about Hallmark movies and all that stuff. I want to at least get past Thanksgiving. So for all of you that, that are already in the Christmas season, we're so excited for you. But come Thursday, we'll join you. But some of us are just uh, ready to, um, to get to the, uh, to the, through Thanksgiving. And uh, for those that have already brought uh, things, some, some folks have already brought leftovers today from their dinner. Thank you so much. I haven't ate it yet, but thank you. I'll, I'll be glad to take that. And, uh, and also, uh, let me make a public service announcement. I'm not sure. Am I supposed to tell them that you, did, that you have that in the back or I'm not supposed to tell people? Okay, well, I probably shouldn't tell you because I'm, I, I don't want to share, but because I do have a little bit of, of a heart. I'm not completely the Grinch that my heart is cold and waxed. It's still a little nice. Ms. Brenda uh, Burbage has uh, some pecan brittle in the back, a big sheet that she's made. Uh, it should have went home with me, but I will be nice and share if you'd like a piece before you go home. Uh, I can share... Um, um, if you're diabetic, don't get a piece. I'll take your piece. I don't want you to be in trouble or anything. If you're worried about your cholesterol, I'll take it too. Uh, it's okay. I'm trying to look out for you. I love you. I'm looking out for you. But that being said, uh, all joking aside, there is some in the back that she made uh, this afternoon when she was cooking. And uh, she wanted to share with those that came to church tonight, anybody that wanted a piece. So before you leave, just go back here. I think she's already, maybe already has it broke up in pieces already, some of it. I'll get you a piece of it. It's really good. And, uh, and, and uh, just as a, it's just a little something to, to sweet to take home with you before you go eat dinner uh, tonight or go home or whatever else. So uh, make sure you get that. And thank you for bringing that, by the way, uh, to share with, with us today. If you have your Bibles, let's go to the book of Daniel, uh, chapter 1. We're going to uh, talk, we're going to continue our um, sermon series that we have been talking about. We've been on a theme for the last couple Sunday nights, doing right even when it's wrong. Sounds like an oxymoron of statement, but sometimes the world will tell you that you're wrong, but you're actually standing up for what's right. Just because they, the world says it right doesn't mean it's right, and just because the world says you're wrong doesn't mean you're wrong. It, it, sometimes you have to do right even when everyone else says it's wrong. And uh, Daniel chapter uh, number 1, we're going to be in verse 11. Once you have it, you can stand for the reading of God's Word, and uh, we'll, we'll, it'll be on your screen. You can follow along on the screens to my right and to my left uh, we're just going to read a few verses of here to pick up the next section of this message then Daniel said to Melzar who was the prince of the eunuchs and had been set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah this is Daniel's request prove thy servants I beseech thee for ten days let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink then check our countenance, be looked upon before thee. And the countenance of the children that eat the portion of the king's meat at his table. And thou seest how to deal with our servants. So the eunuch, the director of the eunuch said, all right, he consented to this matter and he proved them ten days. And at the end of the ten day trial period, the countenance of them that followed Daniel appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all of the children that did eat the portion of the king's meat. Thus Melzar took away the portion of the meat from them and the wine that they should drink 
and gave them pulse or gave them what they asked. We started talking last week or a couple weeks ago, about three weeks ago, on doing what's right even when it's wrong. And I started talking to you about the first part of this installment was the deportation. Lack of better terms, they were, they were, they were immigrants. They were brought out of one land and sold as slaves into another land and left their homeland and everything that was right. And we talked about there was a problem. The problem was Nebuchadnezzar had taken over the city of Jerusalem and, and basically besieged it and deported all of these children out of their homeland and tried to take away their identity and who they were. Then we talked about he tried to bribe them. He tried to give them stuff they've never been able to eat before. He's like, don't you want to try this? You could, there's not enough money in the world that could have bought you what I'm giving you because he was trying to, if you will, buy them off or bribe them. Now, I can take care of you like no one else can because he wanted to get them. We read about it. He wanted to teach them the way of the Chaldeans, and he wanted to literally brainwash them to help promote his agenda. And we talked about how the devil will use that even in today's society. He'll try to wipe out all that you know of God and put all of what he wants you to know inside of you from him so that you can help promote his agenda we talked about the purpose we talked about the whole purpose behind his agenda was to create to, to, to further his own plan of what he wanted to do but tonight I want to talk for a few minutes before we pray I want to talk to you that even when man has a plan so does God man has an agenda the enemy has an agenda Governments have agendas. Churches have agendas. Jobs have agendas. But God also has an agenda. And sometimes, some of them may overlap. Some of them may align. But more often than not, most of the time, God's agenda and man's agenda don't always line up the same way. And you're always better to line up with God's plan than trying to create your own plan along the way. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray over the reading of your word tonight. Bless the hearers and the doers thereof. Open our eyes, hearts, and ears to what thus saith the word of the Lord. Father, I pray that you would speak to us in the solemnness and sacredness of this moment. We will forever give you the praise, the glory, and the honor that is due your name. In Christ Jesus our Lord, we pray. In the body of Christ, said, amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. As I stated, we have talked about how Nebuchadnezzar had a plan. And in essence, his, the problem that Jerusalem faced was being besieged by Nebuchadnezzar. We talked about how he had camped around them and basically tried to starve them out of the city. We talked about that he told some of his men when they went in, some of his eunuchs, his servants, he said, when you go into the city after they are crippled and after they have no way to fight back, find some of the young men that are quick to learn, that are smart, that are quick-witted, the ones that are look like they're very attractive, very savvy. They can learn quickly. And you deport them back to Babylon. And we're going to go through a detox program, if you will. And we're going to brainwash them, get rid of all of that God stuff in their head. And we're going to put their agenda of Chaldean literature and the ways of man. Because I don't know what kind of God they serve, but there's nobody that will be able to touch me, oh great King Nebuchadnezzar. And so... Not only was there a problem, he brings these children, Hananiah, Michelle, Azariah, and Daniel as a part of this group that, he, that are being deported from their families, deported from their church, deported from their friends, and took to a foreign country. It would be the equivalent of our children, some of the best, smartest of our kids today being sent off to another country, but you don't get to go, and we as a church don't get to go with them. They're on their own to try to figure it out on their own, and these young men, 
they arrive at Babylon and the king tries to fatten them up a little bit. He wants to give them the best food and the best meats and the delicacies. He wants to, to basically try to buy them off, if you will. You know, you came from a, a land that you, you know, your mama and daddy might have provided you a few things, but they couldn't have afforded what I can give you. And, and he wanted to, if in essence, to, to basically get them to buy into his strategy and to buy into who he was as the king and, and to make an alliance and an allegiance and, and even, in some respects, a, a place their loyalty to him over the God of Judah or the God of Israel that they had known. And I, I said to you when we started talking about this a couple weeks ago, and, and I was very careful of how I presented it, but, but I told you that if you're not careful, that's what the devil is trying to do in the world we're living in today. You don't buy into our strategy, you're the enemy. You don't do what we say, you're an outcast. You don't follow what we tell you, we're going to make you the public spectacle, we're going to make you the issue on the table. And I told you that, that but that Daniel and Hananiah and Michelle and Azariah they would not defile themselves. The Bible actually says they, that they were not going to partake in that. It didn't matter how good it looked. It didn't matter how much the king tried to present them the best look and the best agendas. They knew something was instilled inside of them that the king could not ex, uh, get to come outside of them. And I told you that it is very important not only for our children and our grandchildren and even for our church, but we have to make sure that we as the body of Christ have got a enough depth and roots and instillments inside of us that even if we get segregated for a time being and even if we end up in quarantine for a time being and even if we end up behind padded doors and locked doors and they say we can't gather together that there's still going to be a people of God that's going to say as for me and my house we still will serve the Lord there's still going to be a people that will pray there'll still be a people that will read the word of the Lord there'll still be men and women that will speak blessings over their children and men that will be priests, prophets, protectors and providers of the home and mothers that will be nourishers of, of not only physical needs but of the spiritual needs of their children and their grandchildren because I don't know there may come a day we cannot meet in the four walls of this church there have been times that's already been proven they tried to get us at times to quarantine and shut down and we have seen not everybody came back and I'm not so sure there won't come a day they won't try another thing again but I'm telling you we have to be like these three Hebrew boys and Daniel we have to make sure that no matter what happens on the four walls inside of this structure that when we walk outside of that the enemy of our souls the accuser of the brethren he can present us the best looking table the best delicacies and the best things of life but we will have so much of spent time with the Lord that we will say it doesn't matter how you present it it doesn't matter how good it looks it doesn't even matter how good it tastes yes I know sin there's pleasure in sin for a season but I'm going to hold to God's unchanging hand I'm going to eat from the manna of heaven I'm going to eat from the bread of life I'm going to partake from the word of the living God because there's a point in time that the enemy will thwart his plan to the best of his ability to take the God you know and try to remove him out of you so that he can put the sin of him inside of you we already know that the enemy is always scheming he is always devising a plan. He is always looking for an agenda. He's always looking for a back door. He's not always coming in the front door, ringing the doorbell and knocking on the door and saying, Hi, I'm the devil. Let me in. No, he's craftier than that. He waits till you're not home. Jesus said very eloquently, he said to some disciples on the side of a, of a Judean seashore when they were talking, they saw a man get healed from demon possession 
And Jesus very clearly said, you need to make sure that if the one you cast out those devils, you better make sure you keep the temple clean because if you even give the devil an inch, he won't come back just with one. He'll bring seven more spirits just like him, even better than the first, to try to overtake it because the devil doesn't give up that easily. The devil waits till no one's looking. The devil waits till no one's home. That's why the Bible says he's like a thief in the night coming to kill, steal, and destroy. But I'm telling you that even though the devil lurks in the darkness and even though he tries to hide out and come about with the schemes you may not always see where he's coming from and which direction he's coming from and the back door or the side door or over the fence but the Bible tells me just like the prophet of God told his servant there are more for us than there are of them and he said Lord open my servant's eyes the prophet of God said Lord the servant said to the man of God, he said, Lord, uh, sir, there's a lot of them in the valley. They're going to take us over. And he said, there's more of them than there are of us. He said, I don't think so. It's only me and you. That's a big army out there. And the Bible said, the prophet of God said, Lord, open his eyes. The Bible said the servant stood over the bow of that cliff. And the Bible said he saw the host of angel armies all camped around him. You might, there's an old song, or not old, but a fairly old song now. Michael W. Smith said it like this. Even when it looks like I'm surrounded, Lord, I'm surrounded by you this is how I fight my battles the point to be said is we may not see the enemy coming we may not know which direction he's coming we may not even always know what agenda he's after but that doesn't mean God hasn't encamped around us the host of heaven's armies that even though we don't see it heaven's already seen it heaven's angels have already been dispatched heaven's army's already been put on assignment and God's already sent help on our way and see the King's eunuch comes and says, Daniel, you got to eat this food. If you don't, and the king finds out you didn't eat, I'll be in trouble. If you start looking frumpy and malnourished and skinny, you'll start looking sickly. The king's going to blame me for it. And I'm going to die instead. Maybe you too, but I'll die. Because it's my responsibility to make sure you get this. Daniel, please don't put my life on the line like that. And Daniel said, all right, well, let's try this. I know the enemy has, I know that there's problems and plans of the enemy. But let's have, give me 10 days. Not only, just give me 10 days. For 10 days, you give me fruits, vegetables, water, Things that are healthy. You don't bring me the meat. Don't bring me the sweets. Don't bring me the king's portion. As I said to you this morning, Saul was all about at his table. Basically, I made you, David. I'm the one that found you. I'm the one that brought you in the palace. I'm the one feeding you. I, I'm the one. What Daniel was saying is, I, I don't need a man to provide for me. God's already provided all I need. I don't need a man to provide it for me. And, and Daniel said, just bring me fruits and vegetables and water. Give me 10 days. Now, I love this part of the story because of this reason. Daniel never asked the other three guys if they wanted to be a part of this plan. He, volunteered, he, he signed them up on the volunteer sheet before they even were seeing if their schedule permitted. Now, we all know, y'all are all good church. I say all the time on Sunday nights, that's to clean the crop, that's to save people because they came to church twice in one day. They all had to be saved at church on Sunday night. If you came to church twice, you either are dumb or you're saved. That's the two choices. You just know that how it is. 
But I am very smart enough to know that if I put a sign-out sheet to say, hey, we're having said A, B, C, and D at the church, and somebody at church goes by and signs your name without you knowing it, to volunteer for an event for the church, there's about two or three things that's going to happen. Number one, you're going to scratch it out. Number two, you're going to come tell me or whoever the event host is, I'm not going to be, I don't think I'm going to be able to help that day. And number three, once you find out who it is, you're going to say something like the following. Don't you ever sign up and speak for me again. I'll sign up for myself if I want to do that. There's one of them that agreed already. I mean, praise the Lord for confirmation. Because we don't like it for people to speak for us or our behalf. We like to speak by ourselves. We don't need somebody to speak for us. Daniel doesn't talk to the eunuch, king's eunuch, and say, let me go ask Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah if they're okay with this, and let me come back and talk to you about this. He signs them up, then goes and tells them, okay, by the way, I signed you up for something. <laughs> Good friend that I am. It's a wonder they didn't become unfriend him right there. It's like, like going on Facebook and just clicking unfriend right there. They're no longer friends on there. But I began to think about that thing, and I, it dawned on me. Some things are not up for debate. Some things should just be facts. And what I come to realize is Daniel didn't have to worry, Sister Sybil, if they would be a part of the plan because he already knew the caliber of the men he had associated himself with. Which means he didn't have to ask, will you do this with me? He already knew that he had men and women, and in today's society we'd say men or women, but in his case, he already knew he had men of character. Men of caliber, men of morals and absolutes that he knew that when he went to them and said, I feel like we shouldn't do this because God wants us to do this, he wasn't worried about them saying, I don't know about that, Daniel. Because Daniel already knew he hung out with people who also could hear from God. See, that should tell us right now it is very important in whom we align ourselves with and who we associate with. Sometimes this shouldn't be a debate. Well, let me ask so-and-so and see if they're on board. Sometimes you should already know the caliber of the man or woman you associate yourself with before you even sign them up on the proverbial dotted line. You should know who you're hanging out with before you even associate yourself with them. Daniel didn't ask. He just said, give us 10 days. Us? Who's us? I got some buddies that are going to help me. Give us 10 days. We don't look right. Don't, don't look like we're doing well. Basically, you win. We'll comply. But give me 10 days. Now, I would have liked to have been a fly on the wall when Daniel leaves that meeting and he goes over to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah's house, his buddies. They're all sitting there, you know, hanging out. And he says, okay, by the way, I signed y'all up for something. And uh, I hope this goes well because if not, we might die. We might be in trouble. We, we might have a lot of explaining to do. I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall to see the facial expressions if any of them in that moment thought about who is we. We weren't in the meeting. You were in the meeting. Who's we? But I, for those of you that were at the revival a couple weeks ago, I've come to a stark realization. I'm not saying it's of God. It might just be quarantining. I'm not sure, but it sounds really good when, I, when it came to my head, so I'm going to share it with you because it sounded good to me. I have come to the realization that the devil will first try to attack us all at one time as a corporate body. But when that backfires, 
he'll start picking us off one by one. Because in this plan, the plan was to get them to mess up as a corporate body. The friends together, the whole body, the, all of them at one time. Get them all to trip up at one time. It wasn't so much about the king's meat. What the devil was really trying to do is he wanted them just to trip up because if he ever gets you to comply with a little, he'll keep pushing the envelope to see how far he can get you to comply down the road. But when it didn't work, those of you that revival know the next part of the story. There's a golden image that was made. This time, it was if you don't bend and bow, you burn. Daniel was still alive somewhere, but we never find out where Daniel got accused. I don't think Daniel would have bowed. Not if the man's over here saying he's not going to eat the king's meat. I don't think Daniel's over there just bowing down to a golden image. But you notice the enemy don't come after Daniel yet. He tried everybody at once. That didn't work. So the next time the enemy came in the back door, he said, well, I'll pick them off one by one. He got the three Hebrew boys not to bend and bow. Try to put them in a furnace. That backfired. So what did he do? He went to Daniel. Because shortly thereafter, Daniel had rose in favor in the king's palace. Next thing you know, the enemy comes in and says, anybody that praised anybody but the king, they need to be terminated immediately and thrown into a den of lions for breaking the law. See, the devil started out with us all together. When that didn't work, he wanted to see, okay, let me go to the next plan. Let me see who I can pick off. If we're not careful, if the devil can't get us all at one time, he'll start trying to pick us off one by one by one. And some people, they'll be like Daniel. They'll stay strong. They'll be like Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. They'll stand strong. But there are some people, they will bend. They will bow. They will cave. They'll listen to the music of the world, and they will comply. I'm not, just talk, I'm not talking about the vaccines. And that. I'm talking about sin. I'm talking about people that will comply to things and give up and they'll start letting black and white turn to gray they'll start debating well I don't know if that's really a sin I don't know if that's really what God meant well that must have been just for the Old Testament oh that was just something bothering the New Testament church and they'll try to go back and forth and debate this and debate that they'll try to blur the lines because they're complying and bowing down to the, to the relevancy if you will of man and what happens is we've already seen it pre-COVID People came to church, right? Come on, somebody. We are still, we still, we are still Pentecostal. Talking is encouraged and allowed. It makes the sermon go quicker. The quieter you are, the more torture you feel. If you don't believe it, go places where there's no talking. Go to an opera. It's painful sometimes. You can't say nothing. That's disrespectful. Go watch a golf match. You can't even clap. Well, you can't even. You just have to be quiet. It. You know, it's rude. You know, I like an excitement and noise. You see, pre-COVID, you know what happened? The devil tried to shut us all down at one time. Get everybody in the entire world, the entire United States, and the entire planet. No church, no nothing. Shut them down. Tried to do it all at once. When we finally saw a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel, we all got back together. He said, well, that didn't work, bro. So then he started trying to pick us up one by one. He said, well, preacher, how do you figure? Well, it started out, can't be no more than 10. No, we're no more than 50. No more than 25. No more than 10. He just kept weeding it down, trying to get as little as he could to not be together. Then it got so bad, you couldn't even have your own family in your house. There was reports that mamas and daddies couldn't even have their own families having Bible study because there was too many in the house to be in one room together. You're living with those folks because he's trying to pick us off one by one.
And then when we got a little bit of a reprieve, then it started in some places, thankfully not here, you can go to church, you just can't sing when you get there. You can't shake their hand. You can't hug their neck. You can't sing. You're, dis you're distributing germs. You can't sing. You've got to be quiet the whole time. Preacher needs to wear a mask the whole time. Then it got so people still were coming to church, though. And then all of a sudden, it, it made a variation. It mutated. And we got a second strand. And when the second strand came, you know what happened? A few more people that were coming from the first COVID bout and started coming back to church. When the second strand mutated, some of those people even fell off. And guess what's happened? They ain't come back yet either. So we lost some with the first round. Come on, somebody. Y'all know I'm, I'm telling the truth whether we want to hear it or not. We had them all coming. First time happened, some fell off. The second time happened, some more fell off and hadn't come back. What are you saying? I'm saying Jesus had it right all along. Any man that puts his hand to a plow and starts looking back isn't fit for the kingdom. That's why the Bible says that the harvest is, the fields are wide unto harvest, but the laborers, the workers are few. That's why the Bible says there are many, many will say, Lord, Lord. And there's going to be many that I say, depart from me. I never knew you. Wide is the way that leads to destruction, but narrow is the way that leads to life. Because I'm come by to remind us, and I'm not trying to uh, pick on people that are, are homebound or watching online, but I'm here to remind the body of Christ, just like Daniel and Hananiah and Azariah and Michelle, that if the devil can't get us all at once, then he'll try to pick us off one at a time. And some people have allowed the enemy of their soul to instill fear and panic and pandemonium. I'm not saying be not be prudent. I'm not saying don't be smart. But I'm here to tell you there are some living in this world that are more afraid of what's going on in the world, what's going on in Washington, what's going on in, in the world around them than trusting what the word of the Lord says. The word of the Lord says that if you dwell in the secret place and abide under the shadow of the Almighty, the Bible says in Psalms 91 that he will deliver you from pestilence. That is global pestilence. Pandemics. That means if God said he'll deliver us, it might be on the other side of glory, but that's better than here anyway. One way or the other, we're going to be all right when this is over. Because the devil has a plan. But so does God. Because Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, and Daniel said, okay, give me ten days. And you know what happens? They do what they said. They prayed and they ate. What they asked them to bring with water. Ten days later rolls around. I don't know how it worked that fast, but I guess, it, I don't know, whatever they ate must have been good. Ten days later, the king's unit comes back into the room. Fruits and vegetables and water. He walks in. It's weigh-in day for all you boxing fans. It's check-in moment. To see how much you weigh and how you doing. It's the physical. It's the checkup. They walk into the room. The king's eunuch was shocked because the Bible said they were fair. means their skin tone even looked better. Come on, somebody. They might have had sagging eyes and crow's feet and bags under their eyes from just the stresses of life, but 10 days later, they had enlightened eyes. It was like spiritual Botox. It just fixed it all immediately. The Bible said they were fair. means they looked better. Their skin tone looked better. They were fatter. And it was so shocking that the king's 
Eunuch even said, you look healthier than all of us that's been eating this stuff. How is that possible? Because what is impossible with man is possible with God. And what happened was, what the eunuch didn't know is in between the broccoli and the cucumbers and ranch dressing and the carrots and the, you know, green beans and the water in between that, I believe, Brother Gill, those men prayed. And they said, God, I don't know what's going to happen 10 days from now. But I know you're still God regardless of what happens 10 days from now. And I believe while they're eating the physical food they told the king's eunuch, they also were sitting at a spiritual table. So there's some things that were happening that the king could not explain. His eunuch could not explain because they were feasting from something no one else could give them but God himself. And the king's eunuch says, I don't know what you're doing, but keep doing what you're doing. And he revoked the king's spread that they were supposed to get and kept giving them day after day what they were requiring because they were looking healthier, they looked better, their skin tone looked better. He basically said, whatever you're doing, you keep doing it because it's working. Wouldn't you like to go to the doctor for your routine physical? And he walks in and he does your blood work. He grabs your hand and he goes, your skin tone looked good. You actually look good around the waist too this time of the year. Wouldn't you like it if he said to you, I don't know what you're doing, but keep doing what you're doing because it's working. Wouldn't you like to hear that from the doctor? If you have a doctor that tells you that, keep them. Because if you go to most doctors, they're going to find something wrong with you because they've got to make sure the pharmaceuticals make money and they, don't, they, got a, they got a million dollar house on Kiowa Island they're trying to pay for and they need you to keep coming back and getting more medicine from them so they're probably looking for stuff that don't even exist. They're like, you got a third ear. You don't even see it. But they're finding something's wrong with you. you got an ear infection of the, of the left ventricle, and that's not even in your ear. I mean, they're telling you stuff you don't even know. Like, there's words I can't pronounce. I, when I go to the doctor and get it, I'll send my thing to Brand. I was like, does this stuff really exist? Is this word, I mean, it's like 17 letters long. Is that a real word, or they diagnosed me with some disease I ain't never heard of? I don't even know what this stuff is half the time. I mispronounce stuff all the time. She's like, that's not what that means. I was like, well, am I going to live? I don't even know what that means. Talk to me in English. Tell me, you have an ear infection. Don't tell me I got staphylococcus. I don't know what that is. Just tell me it's an ear infection. That's what I'm taking medicine for. I don't know. Wouldn't you love, though, the doctor to say you're doing good? You look good. Keep doing what you're doing. No, often they're, talk, they're telling you, well, you know, you don't look bad, but you could do better. You know, you could, you could do this and you could do that. But see, when God's in it, he don't do it wrong. God never does something halfway. If he does it, he's going to do it right the right way the first time all the way, not part of the way. So if God's involved, nobody ever has to look at something God does and goes, well, you know, God could have done it. No, no. When God gets done, everybody just stands back in amazement and says, I don't know what happened, but whatever you're doing, keep doing it because you can't argue when God perfects it and makes it right. See, the enemy's plan is to destroy and to kill, steal, destroy. But God's plan is I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Both of them have a plan. You say, Pastor, are you sure about that? Yeah, because one of my, my all-time favorite scriptures is probably one of the most famous scriptures that people quote in the day and hour we live in. For I have plans for you, says the Lord. Which tells me right off the bat, God didn't even want me to try to have to read a subliminal message in between the lines. God even used the same word. Look at God go. 
I had one pastor friend of mine, she used to like to hashtag everything, go God go. I used to think, well, that's a unique way to say it, but I like that. That's a pretty good creative way to say about that. But God's already on. He said, I have, he didn't even say, well, you know, try to fix. He said, no, I have plans for you. He didn't want you to get confused who was saying. He said, saith the Lord, just in case you didn't know who was talking. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. Some translation says, an expected end, which means God knows what's going to happen at the end, even when you don't know. It's already expected. He knows. He knows the end from the beginning. He's not worried about it. He's not worried about COVID. He's not worried about how many people, I mean, he would love people to come back to church, obviously. He would love for people to come and make a, 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 a re reconciliation of their life with him. But the Bible said he's always going to have a remnant. It, whether you, you're in it or not, he's going to have a bride. He's going to have a people. He's going to have a church to come back for. Whether you want to be in it or not, somebody he's going to come back for. Daniel recognized the plan of the enemy. Ms. Carol, as you come. Daniel recognized the plan of the enemy. But like anything in life, there's always multiple platforms. Now, I said a while ago that I do believe with all my heart that in between eating, Daniel and his friends probably throughout that time, we know throughout Scripture we've read other accounts where they were men of prayer. That's why Daniel in trouble. He was praying and got thrown the lines then because he prayed too much to the wrong person, they said. But the day and hour we're living in, you know what would amaze the world besides the doing whatever you're doing, keep doing it? The things that amaze the world, the Bible talks about confounding the wise. The things that amaze the world is when you can't explain how it happened. You can't explain sometimes even when it happened. And you really can't even explain the steps. Now, one of the things that frustrates my future bride-to-be is when I don't give her enough details. Drives her nuts. I mean, she wants a step-by-step. -step. I mean, she wants to know 805, 807, 810, 812. I'll tell her story, and she's like, well, that was it? I'm like, well, what do you want to know? Well, like, what did they say? What did the nurse say? When she walked in, when she did your vitals, what were the vitals? What was this number? What was that number? What was the this rate? What was that rate? What did she say anything when she looked in your ears? Did she say you had this, and then she'll spill off some word? I was like, what does that even mean? Do you have a brain? No, I don't. I don't know what that means. See, in life, we know that people they map out, they have plans, they they do these things, and the devil does that. God does that too. And you know what, what freaks people out, especially in the world? When they know what they know, but they can't explain what they don't know. Happens. You go to the doctor, and there's something on the cat scan or pet scan, and then you go back, and it's not there. They can't explain that, and it freaks them out. I know what I saw. I know it was there, and I know I've been trained. That's what it's supposed to be. But now it's not there. I don't know what just happened. That freaks them out. Because when God does it, He does it right. You see, I know there's a lot of people walking in the world right now in uncertainty. Brother Marion and others with their jobs. You know what freaks people out? When you know there might be a 5-day, a 10-day, a 12-day window and you don't even know if you're going to have a job and you start praying about it and somehow you're able to still keep your job when HR says you shouldn't have a job. Hello? Can't explain it, but I still have a job, you know? It freaks people out when doctors 
go three weeks on antibiotics with steroids to try to clear up an ear for Miss Brenda who's been battling this thing forever and they've even tried to take needles and puncture holes in it and get holes in it to break it open to get it and they say it's so hard and callous and put her on antibiotics they, 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 they've got a whole plan it's hard for them to explain it though when she comes to church on Sunday morning and a few of the elders and the men of God and saints of God lay their hands on them and give her a prayer call they can't explain it now it opens up and it drains by itself but a needle couldn't get through but somehow God got through. they can't explain that freaks them out because God because the enemy and the world has a plan but so does God he has a plan too and I want to tell you tonight as we get ready to dismiss today you're getting ready you know whether you come on Sunday or Tuesday night for our Thanksgiving meal or, or next Sunday and as we're entering into Thanksgiving week I said to you this morning we have so much to be thankful for already but stuff like that today just further accents why it is important to serve the Lord because the enemy, the government, the doctors, the lawyers, even the preachers can have a plan. But none of them can stand up to God's ultimate plan. And at the end of the day, if God be for you, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. So when you sit around your table this year for Thanksgiving... You see your little Johnnies and little Susies and little Sallies. Hug them. Because somebody's little Johnny, little Susie is not there this year. You sit by your husband or your wife and you hold their hand and say, Grace, hold it a few extra seconds because somebody's going to sit with an empty chair this year at Thanksgiving without somebody to eat dinner with. When your husband or your wife starts nagging you, be thankful God can unclog ears so at least you can hear them because some people can't hear what they had to say. It might be a good thing. But even in the simplicity of things, there are so many things that sometimes we fail to remember to give God thanks and praise for. I've often said it, and I'm not here to, I know we're online, but I'm not here to pat, you know, you know me, I could care less about what church across town, how many members they got and all that stuff. I'm just trying to keep up with all y'all, and sometimes that's a hard job. Y'all are quick, y'all move, y'all get sick, y'all heal, y'all recover before I can call. It's crazy how fast that works. One day y'all have vertigo, the next day y'all on a ladder, I'm replacing roofs. I don't know how that works. I'd be having vertigo just looking at the ladder, and I don't even have that problem. The point he made is this. Even in the middle of COVID, even in the middle of changes of things, we've had highs and lows, but I've said it many times before, and I, I know it probably sounds redundant, but I, I, I don't think I can ever thank God enough. Financially, he kept us going. That's a big deal. People don't even have incomes, but God made sure we didn't, we didn't starve here. Light still turned on, sound still came on, and we shared with you as a body thousands of dollars we spent throughout the last year of having to pay for things but we were still in the black when it was all said and done we paid it all off still had money in the bank and made money after spending lots of money you can't explain it in pandemics only God can do that there are some churches before pandemics couldn't make budget we're in pandemics making budget with less income for some people I'm not trying to preach on tithing, but we've got people that used to give that aren't giving. 
But somehow God allowed people who never gave before to start blessing the church. Why? Because God's going to provide for his church. We have a lot to be thankful for. And remember, it doesn't matter how bad it gets. How bad, how bad the devil makes things seem and appear. You can be like Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah. And you can say, you know what? I've seen God do it before. And I know he can do it again. And you can offer me anything you want to on your table. But I'm going to stay at God's table because he's never led me astray. He's never let me starve. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed beg. As long as I've sat with God, I may not have been a millionaire, but I never missed a meal. I've told this story before, and I say this as I close. I remember when my parents first married. They've told this story plenty of times. Some of you know this story. It's probably where I learned about why it's important to trust God in all things. They had just pulled their income together and had their jobs, and they had agreed to pay their tithes. And they knew they just bought a house. Brand, I mean, a new house for them in the 80s. They didn't have enough money to go buy a mop, a broom, a dustpan, y'all. We ain't talking about Burger King. Shoot, they'd go to church after on Wednesday nights and share tacos for 49 cents together. That's how broke they were, y'all. Share a 49 cent taco. You can't even buy a 49 cent piece of gum. That's, that's a taco. They said they're not old, but that's a long time ago, y'all. They couldn't afford necessity, a, a dustpan and a broom and a mop and a bucket. I mean, just things to clean a house. But Sunday morning, they knew they had a choice. They could take what little money they had and go Monday morning and buy them a dustpan, a broom, and a mop. Or they could pay their tithes and hope till the next week maybe God would help them get through it. You know, they did. They paid their tithes that Sunday. Still with no mop, dustpan, broom, <laughs> or bucket. And a, not too long after that, same week, knock came on the door. Some spirit-filled lady said, I was at the store. You don't think God has a plan? He knows what he's doing. I was at the store, and I was just shopping. Y'all going to think this is the dumbest thing I have ever said, and I'm sorry how this is going to come across. I feel like an idiot even talking to y'all telling you this. But the Spirit of the Lord told me to get you a mop and a bucket, a broom and a dustpan. I'm sure y'all got that with this out. This is the dumbest thing in the world. I'm so sorry. I probably didn't hear from God, but I didn't know what to do. And you don't tell me, you're going to tell me God doesn't know what you have need of before you ask or pray or think about it. A mop, a dustpan, and a broom, y'all. See, sometimes God's even concerned about the simplicity of things. As big as much as he is the ginormous of things. And so this is my prayer for you today as we stand all over the house. We're getting ready to enter into a season of thanksgiving unto the Lord. It's easy to thank God for the BMW in the garage or the $60,000 savings account you got or the $450,000 home you got. But have you ever thanked him that you just could have enough money to make your mortgage payment or did you just thank him that you have a job period have you ever thanked him that the social security check may not be as much as you'd like but you haven't skipped a meal with one yet have you ever thanked him that the car still drives and may not be the newest of cars but it still runs 
Have you ever thanked him that you got an indoor plumbing system and a washer and dryer and you don't have to go to the local laundromat and use an outhouse? Simple things, y'all. Some places in the world don't have that luxury. Have you ever just thanked the Lord for warm clothes? Some people don't even have that. Have you ever sat down and just ate toast in the morning with some scrambled eggs and Hillshire link sausage and just thank the Lord. And I'm not talking about like, thanks God for this food, amen. I mean, legitimately be thankful for just something as simple as two eggs scrambled with some toast. Because somebody in this world didn't even have toast for breakfast. They had to scrummage through a garbage can and just try to find somebody's leftover junk to just survive. See, sometimes it's the simple things we forget about. You know why I believe that's the case? Because the devil, that's part of the devil's plan. He wants us to forget about how good God's been so that we'll take our eyes off of Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Because the devil knows the closer we get to Jesus, the more dangerous we are to him as the kingdom of darkness. Please don't let the seasons, the plans, the schemes of the enemy, please don't let them this season get you to take, get sidetracked and take your eyes off of Jesus, the one who we are to be utmost the most grateful and thankful for this season. See, sometimes the world will say to us, you're doing it all wrong. That's not right. But sometimes we have to do what's right even if the world says we're doing wrong. We have to do what's right. It's not always popular. It's not always accepted. But sometimes we have to stand up and stand out rather than to bend down and comply. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, to the very best of my ability, I have preached your unadulterated word today to the people of God. God, as we get ready here in just a few moments to just embark from this location, may the Spirit of the Lord go with us and be with us. Lord, some may join us for the Thanksgiving celebration on Tuesday night. Others may not. But you, God, still deserve to be praised and lauded prayers of thanksgiving even in moments like these. So, God, when we leave this place, let us be able to say it was good to be in the house of the Lord. We're in your presence and worship you today. We will forever give you the praise, the glory, and the honor that is due your name. In Christ's name we pray and ask. The people of God said, Amen. Before we pray our prayer of benediction, and I have Brother Randy pray our prayer of benediction, let me remind you two things. One, services are Tuesday, not Wednesday this week, Tuesday at 7 p.m. A one-hour communion and Thanksgiving celebration together. Uh, they'll be singing, there'll be some responsive readings, and there'll be some other things, but it's going to be a time where we just spend time with the Lord. And we're going to have a wonderful time together worshiping the Lord. And also... Uh, for those that are joining online as well, you can always watch all of our services online. If for some reason you're not able to be here Tuesday or whatever else, let me say to you on behalf of uh, my chair as well as all the leadership and the staff in terms of the council and, and leaders of the church, we do want to wish you and your family a very happy Thanksgiving. If you're traveling, we want you to be safe. We're praying God's speed for you and safe traveling mercies, but we do want you to come home <laughs> at some point. Don't stay too long. Come on back home. But if you come back, bring souvenirs and leftovers. Don't let it go to the dogs. Bring it back to some of us. We're, we're you know, some of us are malnourished. I'm just kidding. But, but no, all joking aside, we hope you have a good uh, uh, Thanksgiving. Please don't, before you leave, don't go forget to go back and get you a piece of, uh, of pecan. 
riddle today. Not peanut, pecan. Riddle today uh, on your uh, route home. Let's say our church benediction and proclamation, and then Brother Randy will dismiss us in prayer. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. I love you. God bless you. Brother Randy, would you pray today?